Hello? Hello? They're not calling you, Steve. Oh. They're calling Father Paul Timmerman. Oh. oh. Do you oh. know why? No. Uh, is it straight talk? It is straight talk. There you go. <laughs> that was really corny. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried. It's the fall and we eat corn. In the fall, so that's good. Hey, folks, that was even worse. Real presence live. We're just going to move along here, <laughs> coming to you live from St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Montevideo, Minnesota. And uh, thanks for listening in. And if you're driving along Black Oak Avenue, wave, and we'll wave right back to you because we're sitting outside here uh, with uh, Brandon Clark and Father Paul Timmerman, and it's a great morning. It sure is. Thanks for having us here, Father Paul. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for coming. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, we're having a great time. Uh, we had some rain go through in the night, but everything is cleared up, and yeah. it's just uh, its going to be a beautiful day. Yeah, some nice uh, hot weather. We've been praying for hot weather for the corn for a long yeah. time. And, uh, yeah, just... Um, I remember about two weeks ago, maybe about two weeks ago, I didn't see any hot weather coming up in the forecast. We've been praying every day for hot weather at the daily masses, mm-hmm. and it seemed like all of a sudden some 80s came up. So yeah. it's uh, really awesome. Prayers answered. Uh, that'll help the corn. We need the corn, the yeah. hot heat for the corn right now. Absolutely. Right. So if you're tuning in right now, listening uh, all across the network or on FM 89.5 here in Montevideo where we're broadcasting from this morning, we've got Father Paul Timmerman, who's the pastor here, and uh, he's looking for your calls. 877-795-0122 is the call-in number. 877-795-0122. Or you can submit your questions on Facebook as we're streaming via Facebook Live this morning. Or if you're in the area and you want to sacrifice just a little bit, you could stick on a headset and ask a question like Melinda. We have Melinda here. She's wow, she the, came fast. Yes. <laughs> it was like, I didn't even see her run in. It was so fast. Melinda is the area administrator, correct? Mm-hmm. Excellent. And you have a question for Father Paul this morning. I do have a question for Father Paul. So, Father Paul, are the faithful supposed to use the Iran's posture during the Our Father? Okay, good question. Yeah, so th- what's the Oran's posture? The Oran's posture, um, well, we're on radio so you can't see me right now, but like <laughs> it's when, when the priest holds his hands up uh, like at the Our Father, when he's holding them up in, in the air like that, and the Oran's means the praying position. So according to the general instruction of the Roman Missal, it doesn't say exactly what the posture of the people is. It just says that the priest is supposed to have his hands in the Oran's position. Uh, but um, in that, the way liturgical law, li- the way the liturgical documents are written is such that they're descriptive. They don't say what not to do usually. They say what we are to do. And so by not saying that the um, the laity, the faithful are to have their arms in the Oran's position, the praying position, um, it seems then that that's not what the church has envisioned and so and just shortly after that and within moments the faithful share the sign of peace and and then also they're united um in voice like in praying the our father together and so there is a true unity there uh in that so so it seems that in the church's uh view that um just the the priest would and that's why if you have a deacon at the mass where he keeps his hands together um and so that's that seems to be what the church's um view of the ron's position would be so 
Yeah, good question. Thank you. Did that answer your question? Yep. Excellent. Thanks for uh, coming on. If you've got a question, you can call at 877-795-0122. And, and folks, that was a tough question, so it looks like Father <laughs> Timmerman is willing, willing to take any question. So uh, uh, shoot the cannon out here, and, uh, and he will uh, give his uh, best shot at that. You know, Father, I, I like the image of, so for myself at Mass, I really love the image of, and I think this goes back to the Old Testament, even where uh, the priest is standing in the place, um, basically as a, you know, a supplicating, you know, in, in our to the Lord, and so we we direct our prayers to the priest, and he directs them to heaven. So, like the Our Father is, we're actually uh, directing our prayers to the priest, and you're standing in that Oron's position, where yeah. to me, vi- you know, vision-wise, it looks like my prayers are bouncing off of you and into the heavens. Um, does that does that work? Is that a, that's just my own you know picture of that? But basically, you're you're directing our prayers to heaven, and so we you're standing in that place as an intercessor for us. Yes, right. Like um, that's the um, for the most part. Yeah, like in the mass where the priest is the one who's addressing God the Father. Like you know, for example, at the end of the intercessions, where we say what we all want to pray for. And then the priest is the one who addresses God the Father and, and brings all those the people's prayers to God. And, and, and so um, that's exactly right where um, the, that's what the priest has been ordained to do is to, uh, to intercede, to, to bring the people's prayers to God the Father and then to bring um, the Father's blessings, the graces of the Father to the people and giving those to the people as well. And that's kind of way you understand that the, the priest stands in, in persona Christi, which is in the yeah. person of Christ. Because you might make the argument, well, Christ is the only intercessor for us. Well, guess what? The priest is standing in the place of Christ at the Mass, right? Right, exactly. So um, at the sacraments where it's uh, Jesus himself who's celebrating the sacraments. You know, so when I'm baptizing someone, it's actually Jesus baptizing that child or that person. Um, when I... Um, celebrating mass it's actually jesus who's celebrating that mass and so uh before i was ordained you know maybe even when i was a deacon and i was finishing all my seminary studies i could have dressed like a priest and said all the words of a priest but it wouldn't have been um it wouldn't have happened like the the bread wouldn't have changed because i wasn't ordained in persona christi capitis in the person of christ jesus uh the head christ the head uh, and be able to celebrate the sacraments and, and as such, and so um, yeah. So it's not just it's not uh, just like Father Paul. It's not Father Paul's Mass. It's it's not Father Paul's who's uh, uh, the one changing the bread and the wine. It's Jesus who's changing the bread and wine into His body and blood, and then offering them to the Father, just like He did on the cross, because it, it's a representation of of the sacrifice that Jesus sacrificed on the cross two thousand years ago, just making that present again to us. And uh, that one sacrifice. So, exactly. So let's take this one step further, and let's go into the conversation because I love how the church um, really explains this, uh, and philosophically and, and, and theologically, it really talking about by the you know by the working of the work. So e- oh, yeah. even the priest. <clears throat> Tell, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I'm. But the priest could actually be in mortal sin and still say the mass, and the mass would still be valid. Now, of course, he's going to be in a in a hurt bag. Right, <laughs> right, right. He's in a bad position, <laughs> but the mass is still valid. Jesus was still confected on the altar um, because it doesn't matter. The priest yeah. is not really the one saying the mass; it's Jesus saying the mass. He's just standing in his person. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. It's um, and so it's with that where. 
um, the people don't have to worry about like how holy is my priest in that sense like is this truly the Eucharist or not or was my confession valid or not um, if he's a validly ordained priest with faculties and he says the words of the sacrament that the, the church uh, gives him um, they can have full confidence yeah like the bread changed into Jesus body because um, it's Jesus then who's changing it and uh, similarly in the sacrament of confession with absolution when he uses the words of absolution um, it's then Jesus forgiving this person and uh, they don't have to wonder like well um, I've heard stories about father or whatever like that you know or just like wondering about his holiness um, it's with that where they know like I've been forgiven this is Jesus in the Eucharist um, and this was a valid baptism all of that yeah excellent eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is the call-in number we've got father Paul Timmerman here this morning taking your questions on straight talk eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two you can also submit your question on Facebook as we're streaming via Facebook live or if you want to stop by and throw on a headset quick and uh, ask your question that way you certainly can we're certainly looking forward to your questions and and father Paul he's he's ready for whatever you want to throw at him <laughs> I'll try <laughs> Father, we were talking about, uh, you, you know, you were talking about the Eucharist, right, and the, and the celebration of the, the consecration. We had the Eucharistic miracles display here last night. Yeah. Talk about what it means to have something like that, which has never been here before, come right. in and, and be present among the, the people of your parishes. And, and people came from, from all around, kind of a radius all around Montevideo, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really beautiful. Uh, we had people coming from uh, Marshall, Madison, uh, Ghent, Canby. So about 45-minute radius uh, around here. Uh, and so it was just uh, really awesome to see people coming together and then to see all these displays and like bringing the Universal Church uh, you know, experiencing a manifestation of the Universal Church where we're seeing about and reading about the Eucharistic miracles in Orvieto, in Lanciano, uh, in Buenos Aires, you know, all these different places and just making it manifest is just so beautiful. Uh, I mean, it just in many ways brought me back to my semester in Rome where I experienced the Universal Church, like being in St. Peter's Piazza and standing next to someone from South America and someone from Asia and someone from Africa and we're all praying the Mass together. And so um, just recognizing how we do have that, um, we're part of the Universal Church. And so, and, and then also just the beauty of uh, really focusing on the Eucharistic miracles, the real presence of Jesus, because that's such a gift uh, um, that we have as Catholics, where it's Jesus. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's not just a, a symbol, but Jesus himself. And, and so to have that, um, I think, just speaks volumes. And, and uh, it's um, what makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. So call in with your question, 877-795-0122. Maybe you want to talk more about the Eucharist. Maybe you, maybe you want to talk about Eucharistic miracles. Maybe you want to talk about why we do what we do with, with the consecration. Whatever's on your heart this morning, 877-795-0122. And I think we're going to dive into prayer here a little bit because we do have a caller on the phone this morning, Father. We have Gail from Bismarck. Good morning, Gail. Good morning, gentlemen. I hope you're having a great day. Yes, it's a beautiful day here in Montevideo. How is it in Bismarck? It's, um, well, it's pretty wonderful. It's, um, <laughs> 
it's like summer in the fall, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, totally Two more days of summer before the fall returns, right? <laughs> What's yeah, your, there you go. What's your question for Father Paul this morning? My question is, why do Catholics hold their hands? It was told to me once by a priest that it's something to do with way back when and when kings would put their hands over people's folded hands or something, but I never caught the whole story. Sure, that's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll take my best stab at it. So, um, uh, I like when um, some people, when they have their hands... Um, I've heard similar thing when, when having your hands like together instead of like having them like intercrossed in between each other, you know, when they're folded, but having them uh, like uh, that with the fingers pointing up, um, in a sense, uh, or a couple things pointing up towards God and and reminding ourselves like uh, um, uh, that we are talking to God, and then um, the thing that the that priest was uh, talking to you about also is where. Um, yeah, going back to the feudal days uh, where uh, a person would put, like a, a servant would put their hands folded like that in, and then the feudal lord would put his hands on the outside. And you actually see this in an ordination rite uh, where the the, pre, the one who's being ordained will put his hands um, uh, face up like that and, and then the, the bishop put his hands around and the, where the... Uh, the one being ordained is promising his obedience, making the promise of obedience and uh, and uh, of submission in that sense. And so it's like us, um, uh, in a sense, giving our uh, obedience to God and, and submitting to God, and uh, and also reminding ourselves if our fingers pointing up like that of whom we're speaking to, and that this is uh, different. I mean, we don't do that in any other time of our lives. Like, it's it's uh, just when we're praying like that, that we that we do that. And so it also marks it off with our bodies, that we are not just angels, we, or we are, bo- uh, we are humans, we are body and soul. And so we pray with our bodies. Uh, and, that, and so we need those postures to help us to pray. And, and it reminds, because we're not just a brain on a stick. As one of my college professors would say, um, we're not just a brain on a stick, uh, but we have bodies. And so uh, we use our bodies to pray. Yeah. Does that answer your question, Gail? It does. Thank you very much. Yes. You're welcome. Thanks so much for your call. And you can call in like Gail did at 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122. Or you can submit your question to us on Facebook. Or if you happen to be in the area, you can stop by and, and uh, throw on a headset and ask the question here. We do have a couple other callers calling in here. And uh, we are going to go to Karen from Felton, Minnesota. And uh, Karen, you're on the line. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Karen, how old are you? Seven. You're seven. What is your question for Father Timmerman? Um, how did God always exist? How does God always exist? Yeah. Wow. Okay, Father, how does God we, always exist? We got a philosopher on our hands. This is great. Way <laughs> to go, Karen. Um, yeah, this is mind-blowing because God just is existence. Like, he, he always has existed and always will exist. Uh, he never began existing. Everything else 
um, came into existence, right? And so we can only think in those terms and those cons, uh, those concepts. But um, God always has existed. He he never started existing, uh, and so. Uh, he said, that's just simply who he is. <laughs> I mean, I guess simply answering it the most simply is, that's just simply who he is. is uh, um, as he said to Moses, I am who am. Uh, and so he's saying how he's uh, always existed. And so, um, and so, yeah. Does that answer your question, Karen? Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks so much for your call. It's kind of one of those mind-boggling things, Father. Yeah. You know, they talk about the unmoved mover. It's a, yeah. it, in a sense of, um, you, you, if you make the argument, I know philosophically you go back and you're looking for where did things began. Yet there has to be a kind of a beginning. There, it, it, it follows that there has to be something that didn't begin. Right. right? And so, in order for there, otherwise you can you can argue that you just go back and back and back and back and back. But at some point, something had to be there that things started right. from. Exactly. And so that's you know as that that's what we call God, right? That's that the unmoved mover is one exactly. of exactly, yeah, philosophical, right? Yeah, exactly. We do have another question. This one comes from Phil on Facebook. Phil says, The Baltimore Catechism tells us that a soul in mortal sin is dead and cannot receive any grace. How then does that soul find the grace to repent, Father? That's a good question. Wow. So, um, so read it one more time, would you? Or yep, yep, if I, you can say it one more time. Sure. Uh, the Baltimore Catechism tells us that a soul in mortal sin is dead and cannot receive any grace. How then does that soul find the grace to repent? That's a good question. So, God, obviously, we, we can't uh, repent just on our own. So, God is still chasing us like the hound of heaven. Um, and uh, and so, He's still searching after us. As we heard in... Uh, um, you know our gospel this last Sunday, uh, where he, the searcher doesn't give up on the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, and he's he's actively out there searching for us. And it's not like we uh, um, we can't save ourselves. Like well, we're not Pelagian, uh, and we we don't earn salvation or make that happen. And so it's with this where um, God is even drawing us um, to Himself. And in uh, drawing us back to himself and drawing us to the sacrament of, of confession then, you know, like, an, and where he desires to uh, give us uh, his His uh, mercy and his grace and all the more fully and so that we can be in that state of grace and he desires to be in friendship with us again. And so, so God is constant still, if we're in the state of uh, sin, God doesn't give up on us. Where he's drawing us and continue to work on us, um, and so yeah, we're, we're so we're not then just like make saving ourselves or like where we have to get back to confession ourselves and then God love us again or then God will work with us again. No, he he's still uh, working in our lives and drawing us, seeking us out, searching for us. Um, uh, that might not be in the exact terms uh, yeah, that yeah. that um, um, the the same terms as the Baltimore Catechism, but but those are the truths uh, of that. Yeah. I, th I think some distinctions would need to be made too, in the sense that uh, saying that the soul is 
dead. I'm not sure if that's what the Baltimore Catechism says exactly, but there's mm-hmm. a difference between sanctifying grace and actual grace. And of yeah. course, in the state of mortal sin, we lose sanctifying grace, which means if we die in the state of mortal sin, you can't get to heaven. But yeah. actual grace yeah. is still available to us. We just yeah. don't have sanctifying grace. And so I think that's the clarification there is that the soul isn't necessarily dead to all grace, but we lose sanctifying grace, which means that's the yeah. grace that gets us into heaven. Yeah. Um, and so this the clarification, actual grace is still yeah. available to us, but the sanctifying grace is lost, I believe. Right. So that no, that is exactly right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Phil, thanks for your question. I hope that uh, helps answer it. And you can submit your question on Facebook or you can call in at 877-795-0122. Like Tonya from Holly, she's on the line. Good morning, Tonya. Good morning. What is your question for Father Timmerman? Good morning, Father. Good morning. Uh, my question is, hi. <laughs> my question is, what does it look like when um, couples or families join the church and they have older children, or let's say a couple adopts older children and want to bring them into the church? What does that look like? Obviously, they're not infants anymore. Um, what does that look like for receiving the sacraments and um, education in their faith? Good question. So, um, so we're talking like like teenagers or, or like uh, kind of thing. Uh, over well, over or seven. Like, you know, or three to. Oh yeah, I, I well you know let's say they haven't even been baptized. You know, like say three to ten. You know. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, I think the first thing to do would be to um, to go to your local parish priest and, and talk to to him, and because then it, sometimes it depends on the situation as far as how uh, what would make most sense and uh, what would uh, be the best approach uh, for this family. And so sometimes um, the priest might uh, be meeting with the people, or it might be going through simply baptism classes of really young children. Uh, the parents going through baptism classes if the children are older uh, might have the parish depending on um, the resources and such and situation might have someone who can meet with the child and uh, helping them to understand a little bit greater so so I think the the um, my answer mainly would be to to go to the local parish priest and talk to him about what the situation is and um, and where you'll be able to uh, the priest uh, will be able to help discern that because there's a whole varied way, a whole variety of um, ways that that might be uh, go about. So, yeah. Does that answer your question, Tonya? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling in. I think bottom line there, Father, all things are possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So exactly. You just have to figure out the right approach. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks again to Tonya for that call, and we still have a few minutes for you to call in at 877-795-0122. That number again is 877-795-0122. We do have a question from a listener who wasn't able to be on the phone, Jacob from Sioux Falls. Father would like to know, if you have people of different denominations at Mass, or just gathered together, is it okay to pray with other Christians? If so... Why is it not okay to have communion with others? Ah, good question. Yeah, very good question. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's definitely okay to to pray with other Christians. Um, uh, the we the Pope shows this in uh, like our ecumen- in praying with uh, leaders of other denominations and and in uh, religions and such. Um, and so. Um, so that's not a problem. The um, but like uh, as far as with uh, communion, where 
uh, in communion, we're not only saying that this is the, um, like when the priest says the body of Christ, we're not, when we say amen, we're saying I believe. I'm not just saying I believe that this is Jesus, body and blood, soul and divinity, but I'm also saying that I am in communion with the Catholic Church, that I'm in full communion with the Catholic Church. I believe what the Catholic Church teaches in purga about purgatory, about Mary, about the saints, about confession, um, uh, teachings and sexuality, all of that, that I'm saying I, I believe what the Church teaches and I'm in full communion. Yes, I believe. And so uh, that's uh, then where someone who's not Catholic doesn't believe everything the Catholic Church believes it is and, and so so they're not able to, to say that and so it would not be um, uh, honest uh, to, to say amen and to receive uh, Holy Communion at the Mass so right yeah I've heard it on the radio uh, with Dr. David Anders him uh, attributed to is something like you know saluting a foreign flag mm. you wouldn't salute a foreign flag right mm. if you're American right so yeah that's a good point. A good example. <clears throat> well, I think just the, the the stumbling block of being able to say, "I believe this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ." If you're outside the Catholic Church, uh, that's really not even as Protestants. They may say, you know, they believe in like it. Th th there's different phrases. There's transubstantiation. There's co-substantiation. Blah blah blah. Right. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, so their belief is not really there. So for a non-Catholic to come in and truly say, "This is," I do believe this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That's a stumbling block, pretty big one by yeah, itself. Yeah, but yeah. then you go to the next things in the, within the church. Right. Um, so and, and Paul, you know, talks about in Scripture, "Don't bring condemnation upon yourself." Um, and that's I think that's where the church is really trying to protect yeah. people and saying. You don't believe this. Don't say you believe this just for unity because you're lying and now you're bringing on yourself condemnation. Yeah. So I, I think the Mother Church is really trying to protect us from ourselves. <laughs> right. And I mean, and also just the history of the church where, the, um, where you see that um, communion was just for those who are full uh, union with, with the Catholic Church as far as at, at the Mass. Mm -hmm. And so, so we have that, even just the argument of history as well. So, right. yeah. yeah. We do have another question. This comes from the Holy Family area, actually. Margaret from Granite Falls. She says, in Psalm 119, it says... Okay, you're going to have to help me out here. X-I-V, uh, none. Why is that there? What does it mean? Ah, yes. So, in the Psalms, where it's... Um, sometimes where, where it'll speak of, like, the different... I'm trying to remember, going back to my scripture classes. <laughs> um, like, I think it's the different voices... Um, like with with the Psalms, um, and so um, uh, I apologize, apologize, Margaret. I can't remember the exact one for for this, uh, but where it's um, it's relating to like as far as uh, the composition of the Psalms and just uh, where um, the different voices is what's coming to my mind. I can't remember the, anything more particular than that, uh, but uh, yeah, um, sorry. Um. <laughs> but since you're in the area, maybe Father can, yeah. can look that up, and next time you see him, Margaret, he can uh, yes. have an answer for you. Yes, that sounds good. That's a good <laughs> idea. I like that, Brandon. <laughs> sounds great. Well, uh, Father Paul, thanks so much for being on the air with us this morning. The phone lines are busy. We, we got lots of questions, and that's what we want on Straight Talk here. So you can tune in, not the rest of this week, but most Monday through Fridays from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Central, and call in with your questions during Straight Talk. So 